Okay, well, Ria, welcome. Welcome to the show. So good to see you. And hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Ask the Experts with Alka podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking to Ria, and we are talking about how Ria started her journey. We all go through tough times, and it's in those tough times is when we discover about ourselves. It's in those tough moments that we realize who we are becoming. And Ria's story, you know, is truly is going to inspire you to do what she is doing today. And I wanted to have Ria on. So Ria, thank you for uh, joining with us today. So the podcast is, um, you know, the scheduled, I, you know, entrepreneurs, I come on to the podcast and I'll be talking to, um, you know, guests who are really making a difference in the communities. And right now, and Ria truly is, you know, doing amazing. So I'm excited to talk to Ria and really get to know about her journey and how she truly is going to be inspirational. So Ria, thank you. So good to have you on the show. So, you know, every one of us, we go through our journeys and your journey began as an MD. You are a physician. And you are a very successful physician, no doubt. But there was a moment, and especially like in your book, uh, chapter three, how you got started in business. So could you just walk through with us and share with the viewers, how did you transition from being a physician to the vehicle today, which is real estate, how did you go through the steps? What was the steps? What was that turning moment for you that you realized you wanted to leave, leave the medical profession? Yes. Thank you, Alka. So coming in here, my name is Ria Raison Wu. I'm the author of Apartment Prescription. I didn't start out this way. I am an immigrant. I came from the Philippines. And um, coming in here in 2004 to start my residency training program as a family medicine physician, I never knew anything except the world of medicine. I didn't have any finance background. I didn't have any real estate background. I know growing up, I was exposed to having apartments, a few apartments that uh, is owned by my parents up to the present, but they never taught me about, you know, having a business of my own or having apartments of my own. Now, during residency training program, I know I was trying to save a lot and investing it in what uh, I knew back then, my vehicle back then as a resident physician, training resident physician was invest my money into stocks, invest my money into CDs. So if you're familiar with uh, ladder approach in CD, every, every time I have 5,000 saved up, I would put it in. And then in six months time, that will renew. And then I will have another set of CD. It could be another 5,000 and that would renew in one year. So it's a ladder approach, which means not all will mature at the same time. 
the other investment that the vehicle that I had was investing my money into um, stocks, which is I was very aggressive. I didn't know back then that I could lose it, but you know that was being offered by my employer. So I didn't really have any choice but to do what others were doing. So if I invested um, a, a dollar of my own money, my employer would invest 50 cents for every dollar I put in. So I was doing what we were all doing, which is putting our money into stocks. Now, when I, when my husband and I bought our first primary home residence, our first American dream home, um, we didn't realize that, you know, that it was the 2008 housing crisis. So we put in 20% down payment of our hard earned money into that condominium, our first primary home, our first American dream home. And what happened was that in three years after uh, my, uh, my work as a physician, an outpatient physician in, in Delaware, we had to relocate to Pennsylvania. So that was in 2012. Um, I didn't realize that the housing, uh, you know, a house, a house value could crash even if you're paying it every month religiously to the right. to your banker, I didn't right. know that you know the value of my property would be affected by the property value of my neighbors either you know beside me because it was a condominium. I didn't realize that I could easily be affected by the condominium values of my neighbors. I didn't realize that 30 minutes away from me or even one hour away from me, I could be affected by that much. Because in, in the Philippines, it's very different. The real estate there, all it knows is appreciation. It goes up. When you buy it, all goes up. But here in the U.S., the, the, the housing market of every country is different. And in the U.S., we go through a cycle. So the down cycle at that time was in 2008. And from 2008 up to present, we haven't had you know, another crisis. Um, experts say that we are due for another crisis, a housing crash, and that's a wait and see game. I do not have a crystal ball. So what I can say during at that time, 2008 housing crisis, everything went down. So we could not sell our property when we had to relocate in 2012. We bought it for 325000 and we could only sell it for 100. You know, 70, 180,000, and we couldn't take that loss. So, the only way for us to, rec you know, to, to hold the value, um, because we know over time that property values would go up. It's just a function of time. So, we kept it. So, we kept it. I became an emergency landlord. I rented it for 1,500, but I didn't realize that my expenses is way much higher. I could not rent it to to the market to to the to the amount that I I wanted because my mortgage was three thousand. I have you know homeowners association, so by by I have property taxes. So if you account all those expenses, it's three thousand five hundred. And what's my property rent? Only one thousand five hundred. I cannot command a three thousand five hundred rental. Why? Because that was the market rate at that point in time. Everybody's house, houses went down. So the rent at that point in time was very uh, low. So because of that, my, my money from working as a physician, I had to put in 2000 to cover 
the cost of 3,500. So 1,500 was coming from my tenant, 2,000 was coming from my pocket as a physician, as income of a physician. So 3,500 to keep that property in my name, in our name. So that's what we did. After that experience, I told myself, I could not lose another you know, investment. I could not lose any more money. So what I did was I studied, I invested in my personal education. I bought a lot of books. I went to the library and I followed mentors in my space. At that time, it was Dean Graziosi. So I bought several of his courses and paid for his mentorship. And then I started learning about the real estate. I also read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki book, which is... Um, you know, the four quadrants, you have the employee, the business, the right. self-employed, the investor. And I realized, hey, I'm in the wrong side of the quadrant. I'm in the e-employee mm -hmm. side, which, you mm -hmm. know, we are heavily taxed. 40 to 60% of our income as an employee goes to our taxes. Now, I said to myself, if the business or the investors are getting zero to 10% or 20% tax and I'm paying 60%, I can do a lot, a lot of, you know, things, invest that 40% difference into apartments. So then right. I slowly transition from getting out of the E employee to being a B business and I investor. So that's how I started was because of that painful, painful learning in my first American dream home. Now that is not all lost because without that experience, I would not be where I am today. That's beautiful. And you know what? I do want to attest to that because, you know, we've all got, we've all go through our, our own journeys. We've all gone through those painful times, but what I like, what I love to, um, to love about, you know, people's experiences as well, not just mine. I mean, I've gone through my share of, um, experiences and pains, but it's in those moments that we discover who we are, right? Would you agree? It's in those moments that we we get to know who we are becoming. Yes, right? that's correct. When life yeah. throws you a ball, right? It's how you you know you you take cover or you pick up that ball and throw it that's back. Right. <laughs> that's right. You you hit it right back. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Lemonades. That's right. That's right. Delicious lemonades. Exactly. I love lemonades, and uh, especially in the summertime. But you know what? So I that is so beautiful. So that you transitioned um, when you began to learn. And I think it's very important that viewers that are listening, that if you are wanting to transition from an employee or a small business to the right side of the quadrant, to be an investor or business, then it's about your mindset. So Ria, what, what could you explain that mindset is everything? Now, when you are transitioning from a medical profession to now into the real estate game, which you had no idea, right? You had no idea as to what that was going to look like. So can you share with us, what was that approach that you, you had or you knew that Real estate was the vehicle. And like you said, you bought your first condominium, you and your husband. But it's all about the mindset game. So can you explain more in detail 
What did that look like for you at that time? So, yes. So in the beginning, um, when we bought, you know, another property, the second property, the third property, I had to, I was working part-time as a physician because I gave birth to our second son. So I had to take care of my, my two kids, which was one year old and a few days old. So I was working part-time as a physician and part-time into apartments. And when you're starting out, you have to, you know, make your, ex- your money work. There are expenses that you need to cut costs. So one of the things that I cut costs was the labor. So when I was doing this apartments, I was doing the cleaning, cleaning of the kitchen, cleaning of the toilets, doing the lawn mowing, doing the snow shoveling. And I cried at night, you know, for, for quite a while because I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that this would be hard. You know, that from a doctor... Mm -hmm. you know, being on a high pedestal. And now I'm like the lowest of the lowest. I'm a cleaner. I'm a house, you know, I'm like a a, a housekeeper (laughs) because I had to do what I had to do. That was building up my mentality, Mm -hmm. right? My mindset that if you are committed to improving your household, Mm -hmm. you, if you want to give back to your community, you do whatever it takes, even if it's the lowest of the low, because if, because in what I did was I saw my future. I saw my potential. Yes, I was cleaning, but that was not the end of it. I saw my future, which is owning several properties. And when I have a lot of properties, I am able to afford a housekeeper now, a lawnmower guy, mm-hmm. a snow shoveling company. So that was not the end of it. I saw a much bigger picture. But in the meantime, when you are trying to make ends meet, I have to, I did what I had to do. And that was building up my mentality that if I want to succeed in this game, I have to learn it and I have to do everything in the beginning. So it's building up those calluses. And one of the things too, during my journey was discovering my why. When I was crying at night, I asked the Lord, Lord, you know, why am I doing this? Thy will be done, Lord. This too shall pass. Mm -hmm. Show me the way. You know, I don't think I can do this forever. And one of the things that came to me was that I had a dream. My dream involved building a church, building a church for, for Jesus Christ. I'm Catholic by religion. So I, I had a dream that I was, I'm going to build a church for Jesus Christ and that I'm going to have a foundation where I provide free scholarships and I, will, I provide um, free medical missions. So that's my why. And that's why every time when I started cleaning the kitchens, the toilets, doing the lawn, you know, doing the lawn mowing, doing the snow shoveling, I see my big why. And after I see my big why, then I said, Lord, thy will be done. This I know this too shall pass. So because of my why, I am able to tackle all those hard things, the lowest of the low work that I've never done when I was in the Philippines, when I was in my country. But here in the U.S., I'm an immigrant. I came here with zero financial background, with nothing to my name. I took all those and I was able to survive those because of my big why. So number one, how I did it was determining my why. Why am I doing it? What is my purpose? What is your potential on this earth? 
So those were the three things that made me survive to where I am now. And I love that, Ria. So you need to have a purpose. You need to have a purpose that is bigger than you. And most importantly, friends, you need to have a why because it's your why that once you know what is your end goal, once you know what you're working for, what you're striving for, then everything else just sort of comes into play, right, Ria? It just comes into play even those smallest of things, like you said, you know, you never had to, you've never done the menial work, cleaning the toilets, uh, scrubbing the floors. I've not done that. Um, but, you know, it's in those moments, as I shared in the beginning, it's in those moments, in those darkest moments, it's in those difficult times that, friends, we truly begin to know who we are. We truly begin to see the character that we are developing into as a landlord, as a property manager. So Ria, your work ethic, and first of all, I, before I go into your work ethic and your ethos, I wanna talk to you, I wanna talk about your book, The Apartment Prescription, because I've read your book. And let me tell you, your book is so easily, is very well put together, is very well, read I mean all the chapters um you know you mentioned you know they all kind of sync together and chapter three is what I loved is how you started your business as I talked earlier on but what I love about your book it is so uh is so very easily to read and it's a great book so how did you get started what was the what was the idea that came to you that you wanted to write your write a book and why apartment prescription yes so um why I started a book because during COVID right I realized that my apartments are brick and mortar and I cannot just rely on brick and mortars especially when the government is telling you uh, there's no eviction. And thank God, you know, my, my tenants are physicians or medical students or nurses. So during that time, COVID, all the medical professionals are needed. So they were not, you know, fired out, right? Everybody was employed um, in good times and bad times. You need medical professionals. So I was protected. My business was protected in that sense. So even though my business was protected by this, uh, you know, by the, by the group of people, uh, by the group of tenants that I have, in the back of my mind, I cannot just be reliant on bricks and mortars. I need to be online because Amazon is dominating online space. So I was thinking, how can I bring my bricks, bricks and mortar into an online business? So that made me uh, realize that number one, I can bring that by sharing my story um, and writing it into a book because, you know, my time is limited and definitely I cannot share my story repeatedly one-on-one, -on -one, you know, one-on-one -on -one client. So how I can share my story massively is through your podcast such as this or through a book, either in physical book or Kindle. And that's how I can share my story. So I shared how I bought, found, and paid for those 50 apartment units. You know, what I did to buy those properties, how I found them either on MLS listing or drive-through or knocking on doors or sending cards. They are in my book, step-by-step -step on how I found, 
and how I bought and paid for those 50 apartment units. So because of COVID, it made me realize that, hey, we cannot be just dependent on bricks and mortars. We have to bring our business online. So that's why I, you know, I wrote the apartment prescription. And why apartment prescription? Because my business is apartments. And prescription, because I'm a physician, I prescribe you know, medications or treatments. And now I prescribe real estate. I prescribe apartments to everyone because why I believe that apartments is a way for us to not only generate that passive income that everyone desires, that I desire, but also we create that generational wealth that we can pass on from our kids to their kids' kids and create that philanthropic work that businesses that I as a business can provide. If I am an employee, I can only give so much. However, if we are a business, if I am a business, my apartment prescription can do so much work, philanthropic work, because why? With business, the income is infinite. The harder we work, the more money we get. If I am an employee, Mm -hmm. I am capped by the salary that is provided by my employer. So that's why it's called apartment prescription. And that's why I prescribe everybody to have apartments. And I love that, you know, it's, it's a great title because you know what, you were a physician and you prescribe now apartments. So why apartments real? Why not uh, condominiums? What, what was it about apartments that truly was your vehicle? So apartments, when I say apartments, it could be single family homes, two units, three units, or multifamily apartments. Um, I don't really have any, uh, you know, preference if you either just do single family homes, although our mentor tells us to go go big and multifamily Mm -hmm. apartments. And I do see that. But a lot of times where when we are employees, it's very hard for us to play the big games. So when you start out, you can buy single family homes. I have no objections to that because that is how where I started and that is how I got into the game and now I'm paying the the big games, the big boy games. But I I wouldn't, if I didn't have those single family homes or that condominium, I wouldn't be where I am today. So yes, I would urge everyone to do what you can do to get your feet wet into the water, to test it out. You can do single family homes. The the if you do have a mistake, the ex, the cost is less compared to having a big multifamily apartments where the, ex, the expense is higher and your mistake may be a lot higher. So in the beginning, yes, I really do not have any objections to investing into either condominium, single family homes, duplexes, triplexes. The most important thing is cash flow, the money that you put into your pocket. If you're making money on the single family homes, that's great. All you need to do is now multiply those single family homes. So basically I, what you're saying is to start small. You don't want to, you don't, if you want, if you're starting off, you don't want to go big and buy uh, like, you know, 10 plagues or 20 plagues. You want to start small. So, right. You want to start small in the beginning so that you want to get your feet wet. You want to try if real estate is your vehicle of choice. So 
Well, suggest? so if you're doing it by yourself alone, which majority of us are doing, like I did, yes, then you can do single family homes. However, if you have a partner who's very qualified and experienced in the game of buying big apartment complexes, then yes, you don't have to do it alone. You collaborate with partners who are doing it. But if you just go tackle that big apartment complexes as a novice with no experience, you're going to lose money. It will, be, it will be very difficult and you'll have a lot at stake. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You have a lot at stake. And so it's risky, especially if you don't know the game, especially if you don't know an industry that you're not familiar with. You don't want to, you don't want to, friends, you just, you don't want to go play the, go into the high stakes initially. Start small, as we said, and then get your feet wet. The more comfortable you get in real estate, then you can start going bigger and bigger. So Ria, now I want to talk about uh, when it comes to the success that you've had from a medical physician, you've been successful in your field, to now transition into real estate. What is your ethos? Now, everyone, as an entrepreneur, we have our success formulas. We have... Uh, our own ethos when it comes to our success. What is your ethos? What is your success formula that has led you to where you were as a physician, to where you are right now as an entrepreneur? And you are just making waves. You know, you're buying so many properties. What is your ethos when it comes to your success? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> that's a loaded I, question. <laughs> because number one, I do not really consider myself like successful, successful. It's oh, yes, relative, right? Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> it's all relative. Like if I compare myself to my our mentor, Grant Cardone, I'm nowhere near you know, true, our, yeah. our mentor. So mm-hmm. it's all relative, you know, it, it, relative, right? It's all relative. So what I do is I do not look at my past laurels. Every day I stay hungry and I stay broke. Because if I stay broke, that means I got to work harder the next right. day. You, yeah. you've, you've got to you know, keep looking at deals, think that, you know, that those 75 are past, and now you've got to start again another day every day. So I... I do not think about my laurels. That's that's let's put it that way. Every day when I sleep, I and wake up the next day, I'm hungry. <laughs> Just like your mentor, my mentor Les Brown. Question is how hungry are you? Because if you are very hungry, you'll do whatever it, it takes right. to be yeah. satisfied. So I'm always hungry. How hungry are you is my question to you. That's a question. Exactly. That is the question. And I love that because never sit on your laurels. Because once you once you get complacent, Ria, and I I see people, uh, you know, friends who they have that achieve success and then they just get complacent. Oh, well, I've achieved success. Well, I don't need to go any further, or I don't really need to keep on going. And I'm thinking, well, yes, you do. If you if you have a goal, if you have a lifestyle, we all have a lifestyle. We all want to achieve so much as, you know, we are on this planet. You know, you do, I do, we all do. 
But once we get complacent, once people get complacent, then they don't have the desire to go on. They are not hungry because they've achieved the success. Like you said, you never want to sit on your laurels. And I love that. And I love because you are hungry, which is why you are having the success. So you got to be hungry, friends. you got to be hungry for the lifestyle that you want. You want to be hungry for your goals and for everything that you are achieving. Don't be complacent. Don't sit on your laurels. Keep on going. Keep on burning that fuel. So what is that fuel, Maria, that keeps you going? You've got to have that burning fuel. You've got to have that desire. So what is your, what is your fuel? What is your mission? that you want to leave today so, I, I look at mission it, that you are on yeah I look at it two ways and why I you know stay hungry number one is my potential right my my potential it keeps me keeps on going because I know there's so much in me and I have not tapped all my potential so right. it's always about, you know, what can I do? What is my potential? What is my God-given skills and talents? Why am I on this earth? So that's number one. Number two is my big why. I go back to my why, right? Mm -hmm. So if my big why is to contribute a lot onto this earth, that right. means I've not done my job yet and I have to continue moving forward. Um, and and when, when that day comes, if I may not hit, you know, bringing or establishing a big church for Jesus Christ or having my foundation with a lot of medical missions, I know my my why will continue because I've instilled in my kids, uh, George and Jaden, the value of philanthropic work, the value of financial education. And I know they're going to take that baton and do what I have not finished. That is so good. That is so good that, you know, you are, you want to leave. And I absolutely admire that because you want to leave a legacy for your kids. You want to leave a legacy for your grandkids so that they can, like you said, if you don't happen to finish the mission that you are on today, if you don't finish, your kids can finish that. So leaving a legacy is very important. Now, Ria, I want to talk about, we, we've touched on this about, you know, tough times. We've all gone through tough times. We've had all the experience. And like I said, when you bought your first condominium, and it was during the time, the 2008, when the crash, the market crashed. And so that was the tough moment. And in those moments, you know, you lost money. But it's very difficult once you lose money, people lose heart, people lose hope, and people lose that ammunition to keep on going when they know that, you know, they can always make the money back. So when people go through tough times, we all go through tough times, and it's in those moments that either it breaks us or it makes us. So my question to you is, what separates those who win to those versus those who lose? Well, don't ever quit. You know, don't ever quit. Just like you said earlier, you know, you could be thrown a lemon. Now it's up to you to make the lemonade. That's right. So if you think, Mike, if I go back, right, I look at my first condominium experience. Yes, I lost in paper, in paper, okay? Because I did not sell it. 
it was only in paper and I kept it, right? So now it's back to where it is and even more. It took 10 plus years to get, to get back to its value now. If you buy properties right now, because they're expensive because of the supply, Right. Know, the supply right. shortages. So at some point in time, you just need that time. Now going back, that condominium was at, looking back hindsight is a blessing because without that that painful experience, right. I would not study finance. I would not study personal development. I would not study apartments. But because of that painful experience. I said to myself, I don't want to ever be in this situation. So that is a that was a blessing because without that experience, I would not own over 75 apartment units with my husband and over 135 with you in Tampa, Florida, and over 206 in Tumble, Texas. So without that painful experience, I am not where I am today. So we always think, I always ask myself, Lord, you know, if one door closes, I know you will open several right. windows for me. Yeah. I may not see it right now, Lord, but I know this is, I am experiencing this because I know you will do something greater for me. I may not understand it right moment here, but I know you will get me out of this. So I never lose that faith, that connection with God. I put my trust and faith in him. He is always the number one in our lives. He's the center. So if you are guided by the Lord, you know that this is only a stumble block, not really a stumble block, but a stepping stone to make mm -hmm. you be a better, stronger version of you. Absolutely, a stronger version of you. And how do you be a stronger version of you is to be resilient. And I've, I too, uh, some, you know, there are moments in my life, I, I always look like every day, there could be a challenge that's happening in that day, in that moment. And Rhea, I often say to myself, you know, I want to give up. But wait a minute, but then I bring myself back to saying, well, I have a mission. I am working towards what I am working towards. So if I give up, who is going to do my work? So yes. then I have to, so we have to just revert back and always say, well, you know, have the faith, have the belief. And there was an amazing quote that, you know, I heard uh, Dwayne Johnson talking about when he started in the NFL. And he said when he started in the NFL, uh, he wanted his dream was to be a football player. He wanted to play football, but somehow his dream just shattered. He didn't make it. And so what he's made, what his message was that, you know, have faith, get back up, keep going, because it's when you keep going and you have the faith. So Ria, my question to you is that when you know we need to have the faith, we need to keep on going. There are going to be times that you know we're going to get our ass kicked. There are going to be times that we may our dreams are going to be shattered. But that is in those moments, like you said, you know, how do you make that be a strong version of you? How do you be strong? How do you make the best possible? out of your life 
So my question to you, Ria, is out of all those moments that you've had in your life as a successful physician, now as a real estate investor, you're, you are successful um, and you are making those strides in your life right now. What is your legacy play? So there are two part questions. So number one is what is your legacy play? And number two, what is the next chapter for Rhea? Well, that's a loaded question. My that's legacy, a loaded question. <laughs> yes, my legacy is to have a lot of uh, free, free stuff, right? So philanthropic work. Philanthropic work is where I use my money or the business money to fund either, you know, build a church or the medical uh, missions or the foundation, the Ria Rizon Wu and George Wu Foundation. And we have, you know, uh, scholars in our foundation. Um, I also would like for my kids at some point in time to continue that foundation as well and probably branch out to free, you know, libraries because I believe in education. Yeah. Educating ourselves, right, with the important things in life, things that matter in life, um, not just, you know, the, 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 the education we learn from the school, but education from the real life. So that mm -hmm. would include finance, right? It is very important because we live in an economic planet. Right. I believe that we need to educate our kids about finance. So that's why my kids, George and Jaden, they're sharing their financial knowledge in YouTube right now, in Facebook, because I believe if we change our children's education, they can make us into, they can make a better world for our community, a, a, a better world, you know, for, for all of us. So I want to have that continuing education passed on to my kids and hopefully to their kids. Education that's important in today's world, which is the finance aspect, one of it. There's also spiritual and personal development. But if you do the financial aspect of it, then more will flow into personal, more will flow into the spiritual because we live in an economic planet. We need finance. We need income to be able to do the other activities. Now, mm -hmm. second, um, second is the legacy part is to have hopefully one day, because I'm a physician, I'm biased, I want to have a hospital too, named after me. In the Philippines or in, in the US? I don't know where it is, anywhere, <laughs> as long as there's a hospital, right? Okay. And there's a for-profit and not for-profit, because mm -hmm. everything in business, we have to have the for-profit aspect of right. it as well in order to continue the not-for-profit mm -hmm. so that's what you know what I want to do at some point in time to a legacy of having my own hospital named after me building a hospital aside from building well, that be that be so nice right yes. and you know what a lot of people they get they they often go to the non-profit but you need to have the for-profit in order to fund the nonprofit, but That's most right. people don't see it that way, and they often want to have like the nonprofit. And is that what you just said? Is what well, you know? You, you need to have the finance, and I want to touch on that as well because finance is very important uh, for most of us. Finance was not taught in schools, and finance is the biggest 
you know, um, if we're not financially literate, then we will not survive. So it's we like need- oxygen. Yeah, it's like oxygen. You can't breathe. Absolutely. Exactly. So we need to have the financial knowledge. We need to be financially um, inept to be able to function. And so even the basics. And most people, like even adults, are not financially aware of how they you know, when it just comes to the household and even the basics. So I think the basics, when those, when that is taught in school, the basics, then we are better able as individuals to survive in society. Right. And And we can actually do, and we can do more good works, right? Because Mm -hmm. that, that overabundance of money, if you're a good person, you will not stop it to your abundance you will share that abundance to you your community to mm-hmm. to your country and to even outside your country because why there's so much of it that you know you own i only need 20 you know like a percentage of it and the rest are all right. for for the good of others mm-hmm. um rockefeller rockefeller when he died he was valued at 1.4 billion dollars you know over two billion dollars at his at his time and the article was saying 95% of it was given to philanthropic works he donated his billions of dollars right yeah exactly well he saw he saw the value he saw the value absolutely uh, you know how much he was worth and you know money needs to circulate Mm-hmm. We just can't, you know, we, we all want, you know, abundance and there's nothing wrong with that, but money needs to circulate. So the more that we earn, the more money that we get, that we have, we need to disperse that, whether it's doing philanthropic work, whether it's um, to do, you know, found, give it to your foundations, we need to circulate. That's right. It has to because currency, it needs to like you said, circulate. circulate. Otherwise, okay. it's going to die. We That's have right. to move our money. We have to invest. Exactly. So the currency, so it needs to be current. And so, you know, this is really very interesting. And I absolutely love the journey that you truly have had. You know, it's just been amazing. And you've had so much, you've accomplished so much in your life. What is And the final question I want to ask is what separates failure? People who want, because we all want to achieve, we all want success. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, whatever, you know, what we are striving for. But why do people fail versus success? Most people are not achieving that success. What do you think separates between failure and success? I'll share we have this mentor to Thomas Edison. Remember okay. Thomas Edison, the yes, light bulb? Yes, yes. So he made the light bulb, which we enjoy mm, now. Today, that's Without right. him, we will still be in living Without. in the dark. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't have the bulb, you know, at just one experiment. He had 10,000 ways to get there. Those 10,000, he didn't call them failures. <laughs> those 10,000s were experiment to get to perfect, to get one perfect light bulb, which we enjoy now. So I look at the 
shortcomings, the stumbling blocks, mm -hmm. not as a failure, but as a stepping stone to get to or reroute or divert to get to your destination. Just like if you're going, if you set your GPS, right, to a certain destination, there's so many ways that the GPS will give you. And you have that option to choose whether to, to choose, you know, route number one, route number two, route number three. And that's how I look at things. It is not a failure until we quit. However, mm -hmm. if you persist, if you persist, you pivot, you divert, you reroute, you will eventually get to your destination. It may take you time. It may take you more money. It may take you more effort. But if you get to your destination, that is a success. Not giving up is a success because you're constantly innovating yourself. You're constantly going forward. So failure is quitting. It's stopping. It's giving up. Success is continuously pushing yourself to get to that destination. So failure should never be an option. And as entrepreneurs, you know, we should not even think about failure. We should not even um, think about failure being an option, but rather to just keep on going, keep on striving every single day to what we are achieving. So we is an experiment. Mm -hmm. One method of experimentation. Then you go on the second method of experimentation. Exactly. And I love that idea of experimentation, because when we think of it that way, using that analogy as an experimentation, if one experiment does not fail or does not did not bring you the success, that's OK. Just, you know, just go on to the next one. And until that experiment becomes a success. And when you think of it that way, now that I see, um, you know, when you think about it that way as an experiment and how one success is going to lead you to keep on getting those successes. That's but right. It's all about the mindset, how we look at things, mm -hmm. right? So don't look at just because you didn't get what you wanted right now. That doesn't mean you're a failure. You just need to rethink, recalculate, you know, you revise your plan. Don't be just stuck. You're not a tree. Move, right? Who said that? You're not a tree. Move. Is it Les Brown? I think it's Les Brown. I think it's Les Brown. Yes. <laughs> right. So we got to move and pivot until we get to where we want to go. Exactly. So always recalibrate because once we recalibrate, if one experiment does not work, recalibrate think, okay, pivot and think, oh, how are we going to get to that destination that Rhea just mentioned? So the more we think of in those, and so Rhea, I think it's the perspective. I think we need to choose our perspectives. How do we see certain things? Yes, like that is correct. Or success and pivot. If That's right. Be. If you do not give up, if you do not quit, that's a success. Exactly. So, my friends, we have come to the end of the show. Ria, this has been such an enlightening conversation. 
thank you so much for sharing what you've shared with us today. So friends, today I've had the pleasure of talking to Ria. She's just making, uh, she's making strides in her industry as a real estate investor. She's just phenomenal. And she started off as a physician, she has been a very successful physician who is now a real estate investor and is doing amazing well. So today we talked about how you can overcome the challenges that you've had in your life, whether you know you were in one career and you have now transitioned to another career into real estate. We talked about what does it take? What is your method? What is your formula to success? And what does success look like for you? Because for every one of us, success is different. And so stay tuned for more information, for more guests that we have coming on that are truly going to be inspirational, going to inspire you in their walks of life. So Ria, what are your final points that you would like to share with the viewers today? Yes, thank you for that, Alka. If you don't mind me sharing our show, Alka and Ria's show, we do that Monday to Friday. There are times, though, that we won't be able to have you uh, listen to us because we are, you know, very busy entrepreneurs, but we try to be present uh, during, you know, those times, Alka and Ria's show. So stay tuned for more Alka and Ria's show. And the other thing too, I will be doing a free live webinar, August 27 at, uh, that's a Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern time, we'll, our, we'll be sharing my journey as a real estate professional and I will be sharing my, my secret sauce on how, you know, I made it into the game of apartment business. Well, there you go, friends. You've heard from Ria. And, you know, so thank you for joining Ask the Experts with Alka podcast, the show, you know, join us, subscribe to the channel. I subscribed on YouTube and I look forward to talking to you soon where I bring on successful entrepreneurs. And, you know, so stay tuned for more Ask the Experts with Alka. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.